of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz talking the world of Hawkeye athletics with you. And here we are back again a few weeks off. And I guess our ideas about this Iowa basketball team continuing to evolve, continuing to change. Losers of four out of five. Not a great time to be a Hawkeye fan. Well, I think think your ideas of this Iowa team, unfortunately, have been spot on, Trent. I, I owe you an apology. I, I laughed at you at the start of the year when you uh, said this team could potentially lose up to 10 games. I, I uh, <laughs> foolishly thought this team was going to be different, Trent, and they are not. Oh, Iowa basketball. It's, uh, it's kind of like the Charlie Brown. You, know, you just keep getting the ball pulled out from under you, and you keep coming back for more. But... Uh, you know, this team uh, is doing the same thing that every other Fran team or every other Iowa team has done over the years. They they, they give you just enough to get your hopes up, and then uh, and then this happens. Not not been pretty basketball in the last five games. Well, and uh, that's actually what I had teed up for you. I said I had something special here, and it is you scoffing at the very idea that this team <laughs> could be. Okay, let's go back to Degenerate Hawkeyes, number 123. As this before the season unfolded, uh, our thoughts on how it was going to look. I am concerned of the heights that you mentioned: preseason top five, first regular season title since '79. And my reason is, you said they're a good team. I agree, they're a good team. I don't see it being a great team. I don't see this being a team that's going to rip off uh, 23 and six, something like that, going into the NCAA tournament. I think they're going to be fine. They're going to be, I don't know. 17 and 10, 18 and 9. They're going to be good. I just. I jot that down. Yes. 17 and 10, Trent. I'm writing that down for you. 18 and 9. No way in hell this team is 17 and 10. There you go. Biz, now you heard it. There's no reason to rub salt in the wound, Trent. (laughs) I already said I was wrong. That's just unnecessary and cruel. It sounded like you got shot when I said 17 and 10. Now I just feel like I've been shot just watching the Hawks play. <sighs> so uh, here we are. It's another season. It is same old, same old. They can be really good offensively. They're really bad defensively. Luka can score, but Luka's getting worn down. You look at the rest of the schedule. That was another big concern that I had, and, and maybe that's why I'm more concerned even than I was before the year. They're finally now hitting this rough patch of the schedule. Rutgers this week. Michigan State on the road. Now, that game looks easier. Wisconsin two times. Ohio State and Michigan both on the road. Both those teams look a lot better than they did coming into the season. Even that Penn State game at home is not a gimme. You got to hope they get the Nebraska game scheduled. Not only could this thing spiral, this thing could get really, really ugly. Maybe even uglier than the two real collapses Iowa basketball's had under Fran. Well, you mentioned at the start of that, Trent, a really good offense. And the fact of the matter is, Trent, when the games have mattered the last five, we have not had really good offense. In fact, we have had piss-poor offense. So when you, when you want to look into these types of things, Trent, who do you go to? Step boy. 
Yeah, and Stat Boy, uh, I had him just dig in the last five games to show that, you know, it's easy, always easy to beat up on Iowa's defense. And, you know, it, it's, you're, you're always right if you want to say Iowa's defense is not good because it just isn't. But it's been so much more than defense these last five games. So uh, I had Stat Boy do, do a deep dive into the last five games. So you're ready to be really sad. All right, let's go down. Uh, taking us back, the game that started it, the home game against Indiana January 21st. Yeah, the time machine doesn't have to go back very far. Just uh, three weeks of sadness. But, you know, as everybody knows, it's been an ugly five-game stretch for the Hawks. They've lost four or five, and they tried really, really hard to lose the fifth one, but Michigan State wouldn't take it. So what I had Stat Boy do is just do a breakdown of Stats across the board, basically, from the moment when we kind of hit the peak in every game. As you know, we were in good shape in all five games until the wheels fell off. So uh, he looked at stats from these points forward in all five games. The first Indiana game, we were up 53-44 to with 11.39 to go in the game. Illinois game, we took the lead with 2.26 to go in the game. Michigan State, we were cruising up nine with three minutes and nine seconds to go in the game. Ohio State, we were up 61 to 50 with 14.08 to go in the game. And Indiana, we're up 45 to 35 with 14.12 to go in the game. So you're ready to, you're ready to see just how brutal we played down the stretch in all five games. What do you got? So you add up the time, Trent, we're talking about 45 minutes and 34 seconds of game time. Uh So a little more than a game, a game plus five minutes. The total score down the stretch of those five games, 125 to 68. (laughs) All right. So you do the math, that's giving up about 106, 107 points a game. Uh, for a 40-minute stretch and scoring slightly less than 60. So uh, bad offense, bad defense. Let's start with the terrible offense. Mm -hmm. In that 45-minute stretch, games where we were ahead in all five games, you want to guess what we shot for a percentage down the stretch in those five? 30%. You are too high. 27%. 17 for 63. We shot more threes than twos in that situation, which is baffling when you're ahead and you've got the best post player in the nation. And in all five games, all five, we were in the bonus for pretty much all of this. The Indiana game, we were in it for the last 14 minutes and a half, and we still didn't get to the free throw line. So we shot 31% from twos, 22% from threes, and shot more threes than twos, even though we were ahead in all five games. So there's your terrible offensive breakdown. As usual, defense uh, played a part as well. Gave up, like I said, 125 points in slightly over 45 minutes. You want to guess what the other team shot down the stretch in those games? Uh, 58%. You are dead on. Right. 58%. They shot 38 for 66. So they made 38 buckets to our 17. 66% in shooting twos. I mean, that's just you just don't see that in college basketball. I mean, two out of three two-point shots that they took down the stretch. Also, a not-too-shabby 46% from threes. So uh, there's your terrible offense. There's your terrible defense. You want to look at rebounding? 
Oh, yeah. do we have the uh, the rebound to turnover ratio? That, as we found out from our friend Adam Dahl, that's the most important statistic. Yeah. So I, I don't think I asked okay. that for turnovers. Maybe I did. I'll look what he sent here. But rebounds, we got out rebounded sixty to forty one. So we weren't rebounding either. And then ball movement. Did we pass the ball well? Did we get at least get open shots? Uh, the assist stat would tell you no. Want to guess what assists were in those five games on the stretch? I'm gonna guess not good. Twenty four to eight. We had eight assists in 45 and a half minutes, which is actually better than what we did against Indiana. Did you see how many assists we had in the Indiana game last game? A uh, five. Five. My daughter is a fifth grader, Trent. Her fifth grade basketball team shoots approximately 18% in our games, and we still probably have more than five assists a game. So uh, the amazing thing, the two Indiana games down the stretch, when they came back to beat us both times, total assists, Indiana 13 he had one. 13 to 1 in assists in the two Indiana meltdowns. So, uh, you know, that's about as opposite of what you think of for this Iowa basketball team as you can think of. Usually you think good ball movement, unselfish, you know, really crisp offensive basketball. The last five games it has been anything but. I mean, this is a team right now. Defense is easy to be the whipping boy, but you look at the, the stats, they don't lie, Trent. The offense has been just as bad or, or maybe even worse during this stretch. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> yeah, so uh, like I said, you're ready to be sad. So, uh, you know, when you look at those numbers, I mean, it shows just how big of a, I guess, team-wide issue we have right now. We're not rebounding that great. We're certainly not passing the ball that well. Our offense is... is mediocre, which, as we all know, you have to have better than mediocre offense given our uh, deficiencies on the defensive end. So, I mean, to me, it's just simple, Trent. It's the same thing with all of our uh, uh, mid-season or late-season collapses. It it looks like a team that's just playing tight and just isn't playing with the level of confidence they need to beat teams like Ohio State and Illinois. You know, where's Connor McCaffrey that was face-to-face with the guy from Illinois last year? Where... Where is that swagger, that toughness that showed up? And what made last year's team, though, they were very similar to a lot of Fran teams. Down the stretch, they did lose three out of four. They probably wouldn't have won a game in the Big Ten tournament. We still had hope that maybe they'd win a couple of games because there were those moments that some of that toughness started to show up. That hasn't been the case. You can't just all throw that on the on the shoulders of C.J. Frederick and say, well, him being out, now they're not a tough team. They don't have that mental fortitude anymore. I don't know the answer. I mean, Connor, I jived down the same thing you did here talking about it. And Connor just doesn't look to have that swagger right now. And no. you see it on the free throw line. And he's a horrible free throw shooter right now. I mean, he used to be automatic. I think he mm-hmm. shot almost 90% last year from the free throw line. Now, most of his free throws are just grazing the front rim. I mean, it looks like a guy that, uh, it looks like me shooting baskets anymore. Just kind of like guide it and hope it goes in and, and hope for the best. So, I mean, but it's across the board. I mean, even Luca doesn't seem to be playing as well as he did early in the year. I mean, you look at his numbers across the board, you know, three-point percentage is worse, free-throw percentage is worse. He was shooting less than 50% over this last five games. I mean, we just don't look like a confident bunch in general right now. I, mean, I think, you know, this team talked a really good game, and they kind of backed themselves into a corner because they – they embraced the really high expectations, both the team did and the coach did, 
and now they're uh, they're having to live with those high expectations, and they're not uh, they're not doing a real good job of it. Let's get to the head man, Fran McCaffrey, and start with this. We're both Fran fans. Uh, there's people part of our our text chain that are not, which is okay. Disagreement is an okay thing. What he has brought this program back to, respectability, is a great thing. But there's still people waiting for that final payoff. And like you, they thought this payoff was going to happen this year. It's not going to end in a regular season title. We'll still see how this thing turns out. But when you look at Fran McCaffrey, there are still things, as much as I respect Fran as a basketball coach and what he's done to get this program back here, that drive me nuts. And at the top of the list there with some of his non-conference scheduling that I didn't have a problem with this year, but I have in past years, is the automatic fouling, the auto-benching, once a player gets his second foul in the first half. This one showed up in a big way, and it showed up in a bigger way because Fran was asked the question, though, yes, he's been asked before. This is what you do as a reporter. You ask the questions that people are wondering about. Why do you sit Luca Garza for 12 and a half minutes when he picks up the second foul and he blows up and he blows up for the second time in a week and he looks bad in the process. Biz, take it away. Well, I mean, I, I really, really, really want to like Fran McCaffrey for the reasons you said. I mean, I think he's, he's returned this program to respectability and at least uh, we matter on the national landscape again. And, and where we were at when he arrived was, was about as low as it gets. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I genuinely think Fran, you know, is a good person, and, and I think he, he really cares a ton for his players. His players love him. You know, he, he's, he's so, you know, he's their biggest advocate. But, man, he makes it really hard sometimes, Trent. I mean, that, that response to the question from, from Mark Emmert, you know, two things. One, it was complete gibberish. It didn't even make any sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he was asked a fair question about the two-foul rule, and he goes off on a ridiculous tangent about, well, how can I let my, my young kids play if, if they don't get an opportunity? What are you talking about? It doesn't even make sense. And second, I mean, it's just, it just comes across as a petulant little child in his answer because he had to know that question was coming. He had to be prepared for it. I mean, I guess my only saving grace is maybe he's trying to throw, you know, He's trying to protect his team and be the bad guy here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my only guess, but I'm not sure. I, I, I think we're giving Fran too much credit if we say that. I, I think he literally was just being a baby. And, you know, like I said, it, it's hard to, it's hard to justify. I mean, I, like I said, I want to like Fran. I know you want to like Fran. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but you can't give him the benefit of the doubt when he acts like that. There's no, there's no justifying it. And, I'm, I'll wait now, Trent, because I assume you're now going to play the, the video or the, the audio in the past when I talked about my, my hatred of the two-foul rule. Because you know, that, that has been – everybody knows your biggest pet peeve is the uh, bad scheduling. Mm-hmm. My biggest pet peeve has always been the two-foul rule to the point where I think I, I forced myself to promise I wouldn't talk about it <laughs> at all. So, uh, But I, we have to now. I mean, yeah. It's just – it's such a – I mean, to me, it doesn't I – mean, we can talk about it all day long. You and I both hate the rule. We've always hated the rule. Mm-hmm. We always will hate the rule. But to me, the biggest frustration with it is it's so contrary to everything else Fran does. No doubt. Yep. Right? 
Fran trusts his players to a fault. He's their biggest advocate. He's the, you know he's always talking about how great they are. He never throws players under the bus. He's always you know super on their side, and he trusts his players to a fault. I mean, one of our other complaints has been you know he doesn't call timeouts late in games. Well, why doesn't he do that? Because he trusts his players. But then in this situation, you have the best player in program history, and you don't trust him to avoid picking up a third foul. I just that to me is the biggest frustration is just the lack of trust in a guy that's been in your system for four years is incredibly smart with a basketball IQ and is probably going to get the benefit of the doubt from officials in that situation also. I mean, yeah. he's earned that. I mean, most officials are going to know, okay, we don't want to foul out Luka Garza. I mean, the guy's fouled out of one freaking game in his career. Trust him. It's just, I don't get it. It's Again, we can talk about that all day. It's not going to change. Fran's stubborn as heck, Trent. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it doesn't mean we have to be happy with it. His stubbornness is probably what made him, has made him what he is, and a very successful college basketball coach has taken four different programs to the NCAA tournament. But he also hasn't got to the second weekend, and he hasn't had that breakthrough moment yet when it feels like he's had teams that have been able to get to. Let's hope this is not just water finding its level and I was going to be back in that 7-10 to 10 seed range. They'll win in the first round and get blown out in the second. That's what Fran, for all intents and purposes, has been. But it does feel like we're trending that way. So, short of C.J. Frederick coming back, what buttons would you be pushing? What would you like to see? I have one at the forefront. I want to see them pressure more. We, we've we seen them both the three-quarter court pressure and the half-court pressure. Hardly seen that at all this year, but... They've thrown it out at times, I don't think enough, and especially with that second unit and the defensive ability that they have, I want to see that button pushed a little bit more. Again, is this going to be a great defensive team? I don't think so. The frustrating parts are not just the lack of athleticism that shows up for a Bohannon or a Garza at times, but just guys not knowing where they're supposed to be. That That's what really gets me. Guys not knowing how to be competent on that end of the floor. You don't have to be a great athlete to at least be an adequate defender, and there's just so many times they're out of position. But that's what I would do. If you're looking for an elixir, I think it's a r- worth a shot. A little more three-quarter, throw in some half-court traps, do something a little bit different. Yeah, I'd actually like, on the defensive end, I'd like to see us, and this is contrary to what I've said in the past, I'd like to see us just stick to man-to-man defense. I thought our man-to-man defense against Indiana was really, really good. It was. And for whatever reason, we, we love to jump around and do quirky, weird defensive changes all the time. I mean, the one thing about the Big Ten this year, Trent, there's not a ton of great guards that are just going to kill you by blowing by J-ball all day. And, and, you know, especially look at the next three or four games we play. Rutgers, their guards aren't all that great. They're, they're good, but they're not going to blow by you. You know, Michigan State, this is the first time ever they don't have a point guard at all. Wisconsin, you know, maybe the only team in the Big Ten that's less athletic than us. Penn State's not that great with, with guards right now. I mean, this is your opportunity to say, we're going to play man-to-man and just suck it up and show some toughness. And I thought they actually showed a lot of toughness on the defensive end against Indiana. And then, for whatever ridiculous reason, with three minutes to go in the first half, we decided to switch defenses and we looked clueless again. So, we're just we're such an awful, awful, awful zone defense that I think it's just time to to say play man. You're going to get beat off the dribble occasionally, but 
you know, we, we do a pretty good job of helping around the hoop. It's, it's that we can't identify shooters outside in the zone. And then the bigger problem with the zone is when we play zone, we are a terrible rebounding team. Yeah. We, get, we get out-rebounded just horribly when we're in zone. So play man and stick to it and, and you know, at least <laughs> – at least that way you go down fighting and you're not just sitting there. Uh, you know, basically, our zone defense strategy is uh, hope they miss the open shot. I mean, that's, that's basically it. So, I mean, that's the one thing. On the offensive end, our, our brilliant friend Beef, I think, hit the nail on the head with four minutes to go in the Indiana game. Get Luca Garza the ball every time down the court. Yeah. I mean, with four minutes to go, we finally did that against Indiana. And look what happened, Trent. He went from a. Six points to 18 points in a heartbeat. I mean, I know it's not realistic to get in the ball every time down the court, but get in the ball a heck of a lot more than he has the last few games. If we're going to go down, let's at least go down with uh, the best player in college basketball uh, fighting and swinging for us because we just don't look like we have much rhythm on offense. And, and just you know, Let's let Luca be the one that's going uh, to ride or die with him. So. And those are my two things that this team's going to turn it around is pick a defense and stick with it and, and ride Lucas' coattails as long as we possibly can. How about this? Here's a number for you. Fran McCaffrey, during his Iowa career in games, decided by six points or less or in overtime. He has uh, been involved in 96 games. Take a guess. Just shy of 100 games what his record is. Oh, let's see. I'll say 36 and 60. 35 and 61. A very good guess. You would normally think that number would be a little closer to 500, especially with the success that they have had. Maybe time to readjust some of those theories, late game situations. And that's another thing that drives us both nuts. Fran draws up good plays. He draws up good plays. Use a timeout late. Use a timeout in this spot. You're going to come up with something good and get your team a good shot. Alas, it's Fran. He's hard-headed. It's not going to change. That's where we are, Biz. So let's hope it turns around. This week it is Rutgers tomorrow night. They'll be favored around six. That's what the Ken Pomeroy number is. And then at Michigan State over the weekend. And it really feels like if they are going to navigate and at least get themselves back to respectability, they have to win both of these games. Sure feels like it, yeah. I mean, and... You know, you look at the next three, Rutgers, Michigan State, Wisconsin, they're all very winnable games. Rutgers is good but not great. Michigan State's the worst Michigan State team in a decade. And Wisconsin's kind of like us right now. They're not playing good basketball. And they're, I mean, I just don't think, you know, going to Wisconsin in a non-pandemic year, the odds of winning would be low. But, you know, this year, whether you're home or away, doesn't really matter. And so, I mean, you look at the next four and potentially next five games because after those three, then you get Penn State, and it sounds like we're probably going to get Nebraska before Ohio State. So mm-hmm. there's there's certainly time these next two weeks to write the ship. I mean, you talked about the schedule, and you're right. The last week of the schedule is, is absolutely brutal. But if you throw Nebraska in, those next five are all games that if, if you are serious about being – you know, the team that this team thought they were going to be, you got to win all five of them to me. I mean, it's, it's time to get on a roll. I mean, they can do it, but as we, as we saw from the stats earlier, they got to fix a lot of things really quickly to be able to do it. You know, fun thing is, is this could completely turn around, and 
they get a streak. Now, is it going to regular end in a regular season title? Probably not. Uh, more than likely not. Regardless how many games Michigan is going to try to get in here, that's going to be difficult. But if this team makes a run in the NCAA tournament, for once, a bracket opens up for them, and they finish up their 4-5 or five seed. Still right now a bracket matrix that applies about 100 different uh, brackets out there. They're still solidly a three seed, which is crazy because people feel like the world is collapsing inside of Hawkeye basketball. But you saw what happened last week across the landscape in college basketball. Houston loses to an awful East Carolina team and on and on and on. So this thing is not over. And if they get to an Elite Eight or they get to a Final Four, it doesn't matter that they were 11-8 and eight in the Big Ten because they got to that spot, and that's what people will remember. Well, and if you look at Ohio State, they're a good example of, of what, what could happen with this team. I mean, a month ago, Ohio State was 2-3 and three in the Big Ten, and their losses were to a, a shaky Purdue game team at the time, a, what we now know is a very bad Northwestern team, and then they got blown out by 20 to an average Minnesota team. So, you know, Ohio State was a mess a month ago. Uh-huh. And now they're probably the best team in the nation that's not undefeated. I mean, other than Gonzaga and Baylor, who's better than Ohio State right now? I mean, they're really, really good. And, you know, I, I we played Ohio State basically to a draw less than a week ago. And, you know, you look at the five-game stretch that we've, we've played here. I mean, losing to Illinois and losing to Ohio State, there's no embarrassment in those two. But the, the, both the Indiana games I just felt like we, that was not not the Iowa team we used to see. Like I said, the 13-1 to assists, you know, kind of show it in a nutshell. It just it wasn't a team. So, I mean, they're playing a lot of teams. You know, the Michigan State, Rutgers, all those teams are kind of similar in talent level to Indiana. So, you know, I'm guessing they're going to be a grind and they're going to be close games. And, and if this team doesn't figure out a way to win close games and do it pretty quickly, you know, I don't see things – getting all that much better. But, you know, at some point they've got to figure some things out here. They're, they're just too talented to continue playing as poorly as they have the last few games. Well, the last time they saw Rutgers, it was a banged-up Rutgers team. Iowa sent them on a slide where they lost five straight. Since then, they've won four in a row, coming in playing a lot better basketball. Healthy Ron Harper Jr., who's been a Hawkeye killer, Geo Baker and company. This team can play. Hey, I got one final number for you, Biz. And uh, it goes back to something that's always bothered me, and it doesn't bother me as much anymore. And it deals with the RPI compared to the net. So Iowa today is still 10th in the country in the net ranking, which is used in the NCAA Selection Committee. The old, of course, system, though, was the scheduling-based RPI. Take a guess what Iowa's RPI is right now. If we were still using the RPI system where the Hawkeyes would be ranked. It must be terrible because I'll say 31. Got to go higher. 42. Higher. 57. Higher. 74. Lower. 63. 63. If they were using the RPI this season, Iowa would not be an NCAA tournament team right now. That's stupid. Yeah, it really is. I I, I don't really – I can't understand or even justify how that would ever be the case. I mean, it's – well, it's scheduling North Carolina Central, Southern, Western Illinois, Northern Illinois, and Iowa State being god-awful. That combination is the reason the RPI looks as ugly as it is. Thank goodness the NCAA moved their way away from that. Yeah, that's that, that's uh, 
exhibit A for why they should never use the RPI. Yeah. This team's got its flaws, and they probably shouldn't be ranked 15th right now, but they certainly certainly shouldn't be anywhere near 63rd. Right. Absolutely wild. Well, Biz, we're uh, coming to the end here. Before we get out of here, though, we always hit up Biz's Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Biz's Beat of the Day. Okay, here's Biz's Beat of the Day. <sighs> Trent just wanted to congratulate the state of Iowa on uh, beating COVID over the weekend. I'm sure you saw that we've we've decided that uh, COVID is a thing of the past and we can just go back to, to, to living our lives and not having to worry about masks or, or social distancing or limiting the amount of people we're with. It's, we won, I guess. So according to our wonderful governor, we, we won the battle and we can just go back to living our lives as normal. So, uh, you know, Trent, you and I are both lifelong Iowans, and I, I love where we were raised, and I love where we live now. But days like that, you're, it's hard not to be a little bit embarrassed to be an Iowan when things like that, you know, happen. It's, you know, what would what would have been the negative of, of coming out and saying, "Hey, we're doing a great job here. Everybody, stay strong. Keep doing what we're doing for another two months." Mm-hmm. And then come April, we'll 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 reassess. I just it's baffling to me. You know, I guess uh, I know it doesn't do any good to complain about it. And, and I appreciate how many businesses and places have taken the right approach anyway. But uh, there's a lot of people that won't, and it's it's unfortunate that it's happened. Yeah, uh, we'll not be licking doorknobs, unfortunately, this weekend. Got to get some more shots in the arms and. Let's also hope our state can do a better job of that. I saw at the New York Times uh, just the other day that, uh, yesterday in fact it was, we're doing the worst job of not only getting the vaccine here, but also getting them, once we get it here, into the arms of people that need it. For us people, you, me, Biz, we're down that totem pole a little bit. Let's get the people at the top of the list. Let's get them figured out so we can trickle down and also get our shots and our vaccines. Yeah, it'd be nice if by, uh, you know, by May, June, July, we're, uh, we're talking about the end of the line as far as everybody getting vaccinated at that point. But based on the pace we're going right now, we're going to be talking about this uh, <laughs> at Christmas still. Great, great. Well, uh, we'll have Hawkeye football and basketball in the interim if it is till Christmas that we get it done. Fingers crossed at the very least. Biz, next week uh, we'll try to get together again and hopefully some positive vibes the next time we talk. Yeah, let's get two wins and at least get at least get the uh, the negative vibes out of this program because it's hard right now to find a a positive because you know especially for someone like me who who is foolish enough to buy in. Maybe for you this is easy, Trent, because you uh, you saw it coming. But uh, for someone like me that was was all in and thought this team was going to be different, it's hard to not be a not be a pessimist right now. No doubt about it. Until then, Biz, give it to us one time. All right, go Hawks.